Welcome back to Via the Source, where you can get news about the entire NFL and, of course, the Miami Dolphins. Fins up. Here's Steven, your host. What's up, guys? Today's date is December 27th. I'm Stephen Masso. As always, you're listening to Via the Source. Now, this is one of the more interesting, thrilling games of the season. So to get right into it, the Miami Dolphins were defeated by the Las Vegas Raiders on Saturday night by a score of blank to blank. Now, that is what I had typed out in the final 20 seconds of the game. You know, I was pre-writing. It was a late game. I knew I had to get this by the end of the night. But the Dolphins were able to pull off one of the most thrilling games of the season. The Dolphins defeated the Raiders by a score of 26 to 25 on Saturday night, pushing the team to 10 and 5 and leaving them one win away from reaching the playoffs. The Raiders fall to 7 and 8 with the loss and they become the second team in consecutive weeks to get eliminated uh, from playoff contention by the Dolphins. So uh, to get into this game, a little quick recap of the final moment of what made it so exciting. In the fourth quarter with 9.47 remaining, quarterback Tua Tungavailoa was benched in favor of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Tua in the offense had struggled. He only had 94 yards passing. At the half, he only had 45 yards passing. His completion percentage of 77 was good, but he was really failing to connect deep and he didn't have a single pass beyond 10 yards. So in comes Ryan Fitzpatrick and you know, he does what he does. He was a gunslinger. In his first drive, Fitzpatrick connected on more passes beyond 10 yards than Tua had all game. The drive that he initially came in would end with a field goal, and that put the score at 16-16. Now, on the following drive, Raiders' Derek Carr found receiver Nelson Aguilar for a huge 85-yard touchdown. He made a difficult catch over Byron Jones, and he weaved through the defense to cap off the play with a touchdown. Now, a nice little important a detail to note here is that kicker Dan Carlson would miss the extra point and uh, that put them up by a score of 22 to 16. Now the Dolphins answered immediately connecting with Miles Gaskin on a 59 yard touchdown pass. The Dolphins took a one point lead after making the extra point. Now with 228 remaining Derek Carr looked deep again towards Nelson Aguilar. This time Byron Jones committed a defensive pass interference which moved the ball 49 yards into Miami territory. The Raiders were able to chew clock, intentionally not scoring a touchdown in order to settle for a field goal, leaving only 19 seconds remaining. The Dolphins got the ball back again, 19 seconds. Fitzpatrick launched a ball downfield while having his face mask pulled, causing his whole face to be nearly in the opposite direction of where he was throwing the ball. Now, it was to Mac Hollins. Hollins was able to reel in the catch along the sideline for a gain of 34 and then you add on top the 15 yards with the penalty it put the Dolphins deep into Oakland territory in comes Jason Sanders the goat himself Mr. Automatic came on the field made a 44 yard field goal to give the Dolphins the win so an incredible thrilling game so many ups and downs so many twists it was a game that I don't know if the Dolphins really deserved to win when you look at how they played for the majority of the game but they came out with a thrilling win nonetheless. So we'll take a deeper look here and begin with the offense for the Dolphins. The Dolphins offense was flat for the majority of the game. Many on Twitter were placing the blame on offensive coordinator Chan Gailey for his conservative play calling. Fans seem to be very adamant that the play calling with Tua is completely different than the play calls 
with Ryan Fitzpatrick. So maybe a little bit later on in the week, once the the coach's film comes out and I could take a look at that, we can get a little bit deeper of a look and see if that is the case. Now, despite the high completion rate from Tua, the inability to move the ball downfield makes it overall just a bad game for the rookie. He averaged 4.3 yards per attempt, and he had two rushes for 12 yards in this game. So he had more yards per rush than he had per pass attempt, which is really bad. So that's just completely unacceptable if this team wants to be taken serious as a playoff threat. Now, in those big third down moments, it seems like the Dolphins prefer to run the ball. They even had a wildcat run with Bowden that worked, but it seems like they tended more to run the ball than to place the ball in Tua's hands. And if we think back to the Chiefs game, we heard so many times on third down, oh, who do you want to have the ball in your hands? You want Mahomes. You want your best player. Well, in this game, it seems like the Dolphins preferred to not have it in his hands on those third down moments. Now, Fitzpatrick's performance was a completely different story. Now, albeit some of it may have been a little bit fluky and, you know, they had that big run from Miles Gaskin. The offense did, in fact, look completely different when he took over. Fitzpatrick would finish his game with 182 yards and a touchdown on only three drives. So that is nearly double what Tua had on his nine drives. Now, the majority of the yards came on a big 59-yard pass where Miles Gaskin did the majority of the work after the catch, and he also had a big 34-yard pass to Matt Collins, and then a 31-yard pass to Mike Isicki. Now, if you guys remember, after the Arizona game, I said that the Dolphins don't win that game without Tua as the quarterback. Well, after this one, you know, I can firmly say that the Dolphins don't win this game without Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now, Coach Brian Flores came out after the game and said that Tua would remain the team starter. So that's a very interesting thing to discuss a little bit here. The last time Fitzpatrick took over for Tua, there was really no question as to whether he would regain the starting role. Now, here it seems like there will be a real dilemma after this one, even though Brian Flores said that he will remain the starter because Fitzpatrick definitely offers more of that downfield ability than Tua does, at least in this point in their career. Of course, Tua offers a lot more upside if we're thinking long-term. Now, I had a, a comment on Twitter from Cliffy Mack, you know, big supporter, big shout out. And he said, I don't know what to think of Flores pulling Tua. Happy we got the win, but how does this affect the future? And that's kind of the same question that I think many of us are asking. I will say that as for whether it was the right decision uh, overall, you know, it's hard to say. I will say from an outsider's perspective, I've been saying the Dolphins are still early in their rebuild and, and that this season, you know, whether they made the playoffs or not is a success in many aspects. And I can say that as an outsider, but I can say certainly the coach Brian Flores and the players don't share that same mindset. They aren't going to lay down because they are rebuilding. They're not going to say that, okay, you know, if we lose this game and we miss out on the playoffs, it's okay because we're only into the second year of our rebuild. They're not thinking the same way that we can say the same thing from the outside. They want to reach the playoffs now and Flores was willing to make a decision that in the end kept their playoff chances alive. Fitzpatrick brings that fire and sometimes you get burned by it, but with everything on the line, it's hard to question that decision. As for whether it will affect Tua in the future, you know, no one really knows. It's odd seeing a team flip between a capable veteran and a promising rookie several times, but Flores, as of right now, insists that Tua's confidence will remain unfazed. For now, though, all I will say is the situation is a little bit odd, but after this game, it kept the team's playoff chances alive, and I'm not going to criticize 
criticize uh, Coach Flores for doing that, uh, you know, for making that move with that in mind. Now, running back Miles Gaskin, huge day. It may get buried behind Fitzpatrick's late game magic, but Gaskin, to me, is deserving of the player of the game honors after this game. Gaskin had a massive 169 total yards with two receiving touchdowns. He finished with 87 yards rushing, averaging over six yards per carry, and his late game's heroic on that final touchdown really did save the Dolphins' season. Now, receiving-wise, there wasn't too much going on. Gasicki had an impressive 31-yard reception in his return from that shoulder injury. Fitzpatrick missed him in the end zone, and he appeared to lift his arm to kind of reach for that grab, but he kind of held himself back. I don't know if it's because the throw was just that far off or if he's limited, because on the sideline, he also appeared to be kind of clutching that same arm. So I am a little bit worried, but as with many NFL players, they are tough. They will play through any injury or most injuries, I should say, rather. And even if Gesicki is still hurting, I think he will be on the field in the future. Now, receiver Jakeem Grant had a lot of fans frustrated early on in this game. He made a questionable decision that uh, earlier in the game to let a punt hit the field and continue rolling deep into Miami territory, which didn't really make sense as opposed to, you know, just attempting to make a return. It didn't appear that there were many players in his area. And then he also bobbled what should have been a routine grab, and it seemed like that little hesitation prevented him from getting a first down. Now, in the third quarter, though, Grant suffered what was later called an ankle injury, and he was unable to return to the game, but it appeared to me like he was uh, clutching more of his knee, but at least during the game, they said it was an ankle injury. The Dolphins' defense kind of struggled in this game, but they were able to limit the damage with that bend but don't break kind of performance we hear about so much. They forced the Raiders to go 0-10 on third downs, which is awesome. Uh, for some of the positives, Andrew Van Ginkle was all over the field. AVG had two sacks and eight total tackles, and he did look truly prepared for this matchup, especially early on when it seemed like the majority of the defense was lethargic. He was kind of one of the lone bright spots. Linebacker Jerome Baker led the team in tackles with 10, and he also had a sack in this game. Now, cornerback Xavier Howard, he held Henry Ruggs to zero catches, and he nearly had an interception in the second half. He also broke up a pass that was intended for Ruggs deep in the end zone, so that was awesome to see another great game from Xavier Howard. Defensive tackle Zach Sealer, he also had a massive tackle for a loss on fourth down, and as for some of the bad here, the, the obvious one to talk about is Byron Jones. Uh, he nearly cost a team the game twice in this one. Uh, the first being that massive touchdown reception to Nelson Aguilar, and the second one being that pass interference down the field, which led to a 49-yard gain for the Raiders. Now, with Jones's performance today, I think that Xavier Howard, those alleged rumors of him wanting a new contract, they seem entirely warranted, especially when you consider how Jones played today. Now, safety Eric Rowe has done a fine job, I've been saying this all season, at containing the opposing tight ends, but Darren Waller just got the best of them, and that may have been an understatement. Waller really torched Eric Rowe for the majority of this game. Waller finished with 112 yards in this one, and there was just this identical play along the right side of the field where it was a pass over Rowe's head, just over and over, that seemed to be completed at least three times, each one of them going for probably over 15 yards, so that was a little bit frustrating to see. Now, as for the Raiders running game, Josh Jacobs had a solid game on the ground, finishing with 69 yards, uh, over five yards per carry, but if you consider how much worse it could have been and compare it to Jacobs,
Jacobs' other outings. Holding him to under 70 yards, I think, was a huge factor in tonight's win and their ability to keep the game close. Now, uh, Jacobs' last-minute fall to prevent from going into the end zone, allowing the Raiders to drain more clock, it may, it may have been costly for the team if you think about it in hindsight. But I will say, this season, if you think back, we saw Todd Gurley try to do the exact same thing. The only difference is he actually fell into the end zone and wasn't able to prevent himself from scoring. And that allowed enough time for the Lions, who were playing against the Falcons, to drive down the field and get the win. So it's hard to say whether Jacobs made the wrong decision without knowing what the outcome would have been in hindsight. Overall, I think, you know, it's just kind of hard to knock Jacobs because I kind of see what he was trying to do here. And, you know, what are the odds a team gets in field goal range with only 19 seconds remaining? Now, in that same drive, though, linebacker Kyle Van Noy had this brutal mental mistake jumping off sides with two minutes remaining. That was huge. Uh, in the third quarter, linebacker Landon Roberts suffered what appeared to be a serious knee injury. He was seen grabbing at that front area of his knee, which of course brings about a worry of an ACL injury. He ended up being carted off the field. Now, aside from Jakeem Grant's botched punt return and a good return from Raiders Hunter Renfro, overall it was a solid game from the Dolphins special teams unit. On fourth down, the Dolphins utilized a fake punt where safety Clayton Fedulum busted off a nice little spin to get into the open field and gain 22 yards. And then, of course, kicker Jason Sanders, Mr. Automatic, connected on all four of his field goals as well as both of his extra points. So to get into my takeaways from this game, the first one is that the quarterback situation, that dilemma, is real this time. Flores has said that Tua will remain the starting quarterback, but there is a chance that this same scenario happens either in next week's game or in the playoffs. If the offense comes out looking flat, Flores will now have the pressure of having to know when is the right time to pull the trigger and get Fitzpatrick in. How out of hand does a game have to be before he lets Fitzpatrick take over? Of course, that is only if that happens. Right now, Tua is still safer with the ball, but that is at the cost of limited production, and Fitzpatrick is more risky with those turnovers, but he has the upside of being able to have those huge games. So the Dolphins will have to make a decision with which side they want to roll with in those big moments. Now, my next takeaway from this game is that Devontae Parker's return is crucial uh, for the offense's success. If the team truly plans on sticking with Tua, he needs some sort of help. We saw that when Tua took chances on deep passes, it was in those one-on-one -on -one situations to Devontae Parker, with Grant also leaving the game with an injury and the receiver group being more on the shorter side with that severe lack of big playability. Parker may be the only receiving option capable of providing a true spark for this team. Now, my last takeaway from this game is that the Dolphins' defense needs to stop the big plays. Next week, they will go up against a Bills team that shredded them through the air. And even though the defense has made massive strides since that game, they still struggle to stop the big plays. Stephon Diggs, of course, is who I'm thinking of in terms of making those big plays. But just overall, even if they reach the playoffs, it seems like the Dolphins' uh, tendency to lean more on being aggressive leaves them a little bit vulnerable to those big plays. And it seems like more and more teams are picking up on it. If you get into the playoffs, you're going up against better teams that have better weapons, and they're going to be able to utilize more of these downfield threats. So if you're thinking playoffs, the Dolphins need to do something to address how often teams are able to pick up these passes of 40 plus yards, which have been an
an issue for the Dolphins all season long. So guys, that is how I'm going to wrap up today's episode. As always, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so. That is at via the source and also at Shady Steven. Feel free to give me a follow. I'd love to discuss any future, uh, you know, comments, questions, or thoughts you guys had about games. Feel free to send them to me uh, over there on Twitter. If you like the episode, leave a review on the Apple Podcast app. It would go a long way, and I truly do appreciate the support, guys. As always, though, it was a pleasure to be your host. Until next time, I'm Steven Masso, and this was Via the Source.